We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17 14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra. I'm your host, Numac, and joining me once again uh, for another preview pod is Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. The anger has somewhat subsided. subsided. Some subsided. I cannot speak. <laughs> um, Packers are back from London. We will never talk about London again until... Five minutes from now. Until five, yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Until we talk about it for the next 15 minutes as we begin this pod. And before I write about it in Substack, which if you're listening to this now, the Substack should be live, uh, go read it. Breaking down in words, uh, the Giants win over the Packers this past Sunday, handing out the cheeses and the preview of this coming week's game, which is the other New York team, the New York Football Jets. <laughs> They're coming into Green Bay uh, on a quote-unquote winning streak. Two games. They beat the Steelers. Uh, the Kenny Pickett second half led Steelers two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, trounced the the injured Dolphins last week. The Dolphins were missing a lot of their, their key players, including Tyreek Hill and obviously Tua. They beat them 40-17. So the Jets riding high with uh, Zach Wilson back healthy and... Uh, Garrett Wilson doing some great things for them, along with Elijah Moore, Brees Hall. Just a uh, 
team with nothing to lose. So before we're going to get into that, a couple, couple of promotions to get into. Uh, this week, Adam and Andrew wrapped up their Brewers season, going over some of uh, President of Baseball Operations David Stearns' quotes from their media day that happened on Tuesday. It's uh, it's something. If you want to hear, it was eventful. It was eventful. It was it was so great. The goal is to that is they did a great job, and they'll be uh, they said that'll be their last pod for a couple of weeks as they take a little break, um, as the Buck season starts back up and they let the World Series and the postseason play out. Uh, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to it, the Win in Six and Eurostep boys are going to be recording an over under pod, previewing mm. the uh, the NBA Buck season. Isn't that right, Jordan? Yes, it is. I get to talk about present day Bucks, which is uh, at this point I have to ramp up and actually talk about current things, <laughs> <laughs> current events, current happen, events, if you will. And then uh, once again, Andrew and Adam released a make time for this pod. If you haven't heard of make time for this, that's GSPN's sort of uh, pop culture and other things pod. Their drunk drawer pod, if you will. And it's on uh, Moonage uh, Daydream, the the David Bowie, I believe it's uh new movie. Like it's like a not a mockumentary, but it's like a normal movie about David Bowie's life. And they go over their favorite David Bowie songs. So, as always, a lot of good stuff uh, happening on the Eurostep Podcast Network. Should we hand out some cheese, Jordan? Let's hand out some cheese. It was uh Slim Pickens this week for cheese. It was. Not a good showing from a lot of the Packers. No. <laughs> I might say it was uh, abysmal even. Yeah. But there is some brief highlights to get into. All these people are earning one slice of Munster. One cheese, if you may. First up is Randall Cobb. Six catches, 99 yards. On, I think it was 13 targets. So he was clearly the favorite from, um, from Rodgers on Sunday, which... Somewhat doesn't surprise me, given that he pined, that Rodgers pined for Cobb to be back in the in the organization last year. So, or I'm sorry, seven receptions, 99 yards. So he earns his first cheese of the season. Definitely well earned, given that he's been doing so well for them all year. Definitely about time he got one. Preston Smith earned his earned a, earned a cheese as well, his third. He had a sack and another half sack taken away from him on uh, a penalty. Overall, just been a really solid part of the uh, of the Packers' defense that's been sort of up and down all year long, as we'll talk about a little later. But yeah, one total sack, and he had, if I can find it, four total tackles, three solo tackles. So another good game from Preston Smith. And then two linemen, John Runyon and Elton Jenkins, both uh, didn't allow a QB hurry pressure or anything like that throughout the game and had pretty good passing and run blocking grades from PFF. So ought to give them their cheese as well. John Runyon's first, uh, EJ's second. So what do you think, Jordan? Kudos. Kudos to the people that stood out for the right reasons (laughs) amid the carnage that was London. (laughs) (laughs) We, uh... To give a peek behind the curtain for you listeners, Jordan and I talked pre-pod about Razul Douglas and giving him the yes. pod's first infamous uh, Lindberger cheese, which is a, a minus cheese, if you will. And going back over the stats, going some through some of the grades, we felt it was a little 
bit of like just punching Razul while he was down because he had three penalties and they were very ill-timed penalties. But the only one that had um, a real significant impact on, on the game was the one um, when it took away the sack from Jaron Reed and Preston Smith, the illegal contact down the field that was an yes. automatic first down on the, on the sack play. Yeah. Other than that, he had another holding that was on a Daniel Jones 14-15 yard run that they accepted but that because it was an automatic first down, they got five extra yards. Um, and the other one was the unsportsmanlike conduct where he uh, like wrestling slammed the ball carrier to the ground, which I didn't think was a good call anyways, but that call was pretty uh, close down the other goal line. It didn't really have that big of an impact on the game anyways. They would have been still right there and still had um, it wasn't third down or fourth down or anything. It was like second down or first down. So overall, he didn't have any like terrible um, like wide receiver wide receivers burning him or he let up a bunch of yards when he was targeted. I think he only had two targets his way for like seven yards. So like in coverage he did fine, but he just had a bunch of penalties that made it look worse than it was, but we didn't want to give him one when there's been worse uh cornerback games out there, a la like Kevin King in the Bucks championship game a couple years ago. Yeah. But yeah, it's probably to your point, it was beating a dead horse because Rizzo yeah. Douglas is not the reason why they lost that game. There was exactly. a myriad of reasons. Right, and if you're going to give um, one to Razul, you got to give one to a bunch of other defensive players. Yeah. Maybe you just break out the Limburger for, like, Kevin King, as you mentioned, or Steven Wordle. Um, you know. That's going back farther than, than I want to remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe it's, it's a matter... This is... We're early. This is... Talk of the tundra. This we're, we're this is the first year we're figuring it out. You're along for the ride. <laughs> I will say, however, as we again talked about prepod, uh, Joe Barry and company on the defensive side of the coaching staff are getting mm-hmm. awfully close to getting a Lindberger, and we'll get into that more later. But I'm not afraid to hand out uh, Lindberger cheeses <laughs> to an entire coaching staff on defense if, if it means. Saying what I need to say about about them. Our um, Christmas gifts to them will be the PlayStation <laughs> Two versions of NFL head coach. <laughs> game. I remember that. I remember that. What a weird. What a. That was the time. That was the, that was when we knew. Oh, sports video games will never be the same. There's right. a game about being a head coach. There's a game about coaching a game. <laughs> Like as I guess normal... now that I think about it, it was it I'm assuming that would have been like the modern day like football manager. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. So like Madden was ahead of the curve. It, the the gamers aren't ready for that that technology yet. Like we're looking across the pond and there's a football manager <laughs> over there. Let's get Tony Tony Dungy on the cover of this oh, and let's gross. ship it out. All right. So cheese board as it stands after five games now. Aaron Jones and Rashawn Gary are still the leaders with four. Preston Smith has three, and then a slew of players have two. Aaron Rodgers, A.J. Dillon, Devondre Campbell, Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Keyshawn Nixon, Pat O'Donnell, Quay Walker, and Romeo Dobbs. And then the players with one include Al Lazard, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Jaron Reed, John Runyon, Mason Crosby, Randall Cobb, Russell Douglas, Rudy Ford, Sammy Watkins, and Zach Tom. So it's fleshing out a bit. We got a lot of players there, which is good to see that it's not just individuals like 
a small number of individuals getting awarded that are doing good things. It's sort of being mixed around and spread around, even a nice cheese spread around uh, to have different impact players each game. Now the goal is to have all these impact players do good things every game and not just spread across uh, five games so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, before we get into the preview, the injury report, and things like that, uh, Jordan and I want to talk about an article that came uh, that dropped today from Ben, I think it's Solik, uh, from The Ringer. Ben, if you're listening, which on the off chance you are, I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong. But it was titled, Are the Packers Issues About Scheme or Talent? Yes. <laughs> which is a very appropriate headline for the article. And uh, Jordan and I both read this uh, today on Wednesday when it dropped. And it was a very, very good breakdown of sort of the Packers' woes so far. Sort of what's going wrong and why they look the way they do. Um, we recommend you go read it. It's a very well done yes. article. It's a little long, but it's very stat heavy, which makes the analysis of those stats make it run long. But it reads fast. Like I, I read it in fifteen twenty minutes. So enough that it's it, it gets into the good stuff of explaining what's going on with the Packers. And what Jordan and I both found interesting about it is that the the problem that the Packers are having relies on players and scheme, which breaks it down pretty simply. The The issue being is that the defense has the players, not the scheme, and the offense has the scheme, but not the players. And so Ben breaks that down pretty well in explaining why this, uh, this talented defense that the Packers have with all of these first round picks, the oldest of which being Kenny Clark at 27 is letting up so many yards and losing games the way they have lost them so far. And it's because of Joe Barry's scheme. I'm not going to read the whole article for you guys. You guys can go read it, but I highlighted a uh, couple of, um, of paragraphs in Ben's article that stood out to me. Um, in his article, he writes, uh, crossing routes have especially caused the Packers issues in zone coverage. Green Bay has allowed a 134.3 passing rating to opposing quarterbacks on plays with at least one crossing route. Only the Steelers are worse. If you put the Packers in man coverage, they're the sixth best, but only have nine snaps in that sample, which has been the thing that fans have been yelling about. Play man feels like um, this feels a very like early bud discussion with the Bucks. The biggest caveat I would add here is that the Bucks defense was number one <laughs> in Bud's first two years, and right. under Joe Barry, it's um, it's what's bad. the right word? It's certainly underperforming, mediocre. Yeah. Um, I I think, I mean, again, the context of this coming after a game in which they gave or gave up 27 points against the Giants. In London, yes, circumstances picked that apart. It came after another week where they gave up 24 points against the Patriots and a third straight quarterback. And granted, one of the um one of those touchdowns was a pick six at the end of the first half um, that 
the Packers just gave up. But it also just kind of their defense, especially in the Buccaneers game, kept them in for such a long time. But it's also against another underperforming offense that is having a lot of not all similar issues, but there's certainly some, um, you know, differences and similarities that you can draw between Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Um, yeah, I, I, again, it's just, it's, I don't know. I, you obviously have more passages to go through, so I won't oh, <laughs> bore you with details. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, going back to how the Bucks were ranked like first in defense and Bud's first couple of years, um, Ben writes in his article that the Packers are 22nd in uh, DVOA, which is yes. defensive defense adjusted value over average, basically like a attempt at a catch all um, defensive metric for football, and um, 19th in expected points added per play allowed. So they're allowing more points per play than is good, essentially. Like they're the 19th worst team. And then, or 19th best team, 11th, or yeah, can't do math. It's on 11, but whatever it is, that that was last year. And then five games into this year, the Packers' defense is 23rd in DVOA and 16th in um, EPA. So largely the same, largely the same, a little better, Even but still bad. Smaller sample. So like, there, it's we have these players, we have really good players. We're just not the scheme isn't working clearly. So another one, and this was a big talking point against, I think, the in, the in the in the Buccaneers game is what it was, when the Packers' third down percentage was, like, really good. We weren't allowing any third down conversions over, like, six or seven yards, things like that. But Ben found a really good um, stat to sort of showcase that that's kind of misleading. So... On third down, the Packers' success rate for stopping teams from achieving that first down and not having to punt is seventy point seven percent. First in, um, first in the league, and then their rushing success rate on third down, which is what they've had problems doing all year, is thirty percent, thirty point eight, good for twenty seventh in the league. And their past success rate on third down is 75% first in the league. But the issue is, is that they are near last on first down pass rate success, meaning they allow first downs via the pass second worst in the league and allow first downs on second down via the rush second worst in the league at 44% for the rush, 51% on the pass. So, what this all means, Jordan, is that the Packers are really good on third down if they get there. Yeah. And they're just not getting there. And that's where all these long drives are coming from at the end of games, at the end of halves, where we see it's like, man, this, they look really good on third down when they get there. But if you're not letting the offense have to get have to execute on third down... Well, of course they're gonna look good. Like maybe they add, they send more pressure when they get the third down. But at this point, they're just not executing well enough to be able to force third downs. There's 
first downs being made on first down. There's first downs being made on second down, which is then resets this counter as sort yeah. of a perpetual vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, th- I the article gets into just like how static it is in Green Bay, whereas you're looking at other um, disciples of Brandon Staley, who's now the head coach of the Chargers. Right. He was in Los Angeles. On uh, Joe Barry was under him when Staley was a defensive coordinator there. And there's what two other people that yeah, have there's since, a couple. I assume, and um, along with one of those, I believe was a Packers assistant last year, maybe, or maybe yeah. they looked into him be a defense coordinator. I cannot remember. It's it's uh Aubrey Pleasant, and I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. I apologize. Ejiro Evero. That's it. Yeah, I think he was in Green Bay last year, but I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Yeah, um, all those guys came from the the Brandon Staley Rams coaching tree from a couple of years ago. Yeah, or they either they interviewed him when they were looking for a new D coordinator. That might be what it gotcha. was. Um, but yeah, it goes into just you know what are they doing differently? They they come out from the same set of principles, but it's not always the kind of chalk things that you see right with the with the Packers defensively that just kind of keeps reoccurring and reoccurring you know time and time again right and I to go into one of these next paragraphs it's so I guess frustrating is that they're we'll talk about this later about Joe Barry not being Joe Barry not being aggressive on defense is that the Packers lead the league in blitz rate on first and second down at 43.2 percent according to Ben's article. But the Packers aren't, quote-unquote, blitzing. They very rarely play in their base defense of 3-4, where you have Jaron Reed, Kenny Clark, and uh, Dean Lowry being the main guys rushing. They are almost always having five guys rush the line with Rashawn Gary and um, Preston Smith off the edge. And so... Of, like, for that defensive scheme, they're always rushing five. The Packers are, I think, last. I didn't have, don't have, oh yeah, the Packers don't have a defensive back with more than four pass rushing snaps this season. And when you have Evander Campbell and Quay Walker sort of playing the middle of the field at, at their backer positions, you're not getting pressure anywhere else if you're not having any of the secondary blitz either. And it's mm. that's where we are talk, going to talk about later is, is that they need to be more aggressive. It's it frankly maddening. <laughs> well, I think to, I mean it's not even just the, the the need to be aggressive. You know, you go into this year and you see all across the defensive um, side of the ball, like things are very balanced. But I think even at some point we probably talked about just like it is on the shoulders of Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith to generate a pass pass rush attack because it gets thin very quickly and you're yeah. not necessarily, you know, you're Jonathan Garvin with me. We saw a little bit of him and I think he had a couple of good plays too in London, but like beyond that, it's pretty, pretty bare bones. Like even right. the line, 
Devontae Wyatt was inactive um, against Giants. TJ Slayton had some moments as well. But it, that's the thing is that, like, it's not necessarily about the – It's it, obviously it's like a symbiosis, if you will, yeah. between the scheme and the fact that you, these guys are on the field whenever the defense is on the field all the time. There's right. not a lot of rotation. No. Nope. So I think that's where the Packers are getting a lot. I mean, saw it in that second half against Strats. They were on the field too way too long, and it was just a moot point at after their best defense was their offense. Exactly. <laughs> that is that's ex- ex- what it should have been, but you know, that obviously was not the case. And then I don't mean like I said, I'm not trying to read the entire entire article to you guys, but the Ben goes on to talk about how the Packers just don't run stunts or twists or change where the rush is coming from. It's very, all right, if you see the five guys lining up on the at the line, those are the five guys coming. You don't see, like, Rashawn Gary fake go on the edge and then come up through the A-gap or something, or same thing with Preston Smith, or having Kenny Clark go outside to come attack the quarterback that way. It just doesn't happen like that. Like, Kenny Clark has been really good. He's been using swim moves to get by um, interior linemen all season. He had a great one on Sunday um, against the Giants where he threw the, the center away like he was one of the tackling dummies at practice. Like He's just a really talented defensive lineman. But why not mix up where he can use his talents just to give the defense a second look so they don't know what they're going to do every... what you're going to do replay. Because if they know what you're going to do replay, offense becomes a lot easier. That's yes. where that awful crossing route set that we mentioned earlier comes in. Like if you're going to let them attack the, the soft spots and the zone coverage, cause you know where the pass rush is coming from and you know what sort of defense they're playing in the secondary, then it's, it's just easy pickings. Mm-hmm. That's how Daniel Jones only has six completions on Sunday. Like all credit to credit, like credit is due to Daniel Jones. He's having a really good season, but he's not as, I guess, looking back, maybe he's improved to something that we haven't seen yet. But he shouldn't be performing this well. Same as that. I mean, it's again, we went through it during the preview pop. It's the wide receivers that the Giants are rolling out there that are just gashing them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just funny, like how things kind of never go away because, again, not a like for like situation, all respects. But this is a big thing about Mike Patton when he was the D coordinator, things are just very vanilla. Yeah. So it's like, you know, who, you know, it's a, a Mike Penn uh, led defense, you know, it's a Joe Barry led defense. Yeah. And in both of those instances, it's middle of the road or, you know, you have a, a very, you know, turnovers play a huge part in just like Albania defense that, you know, you necessarily can't bank on year to year. Now we're seeing this year, it's like, okay, they're doing well to when they hit, when it gets to third down, they're doing well to stop offenses. Right. It's just a matter of they're giving way too many new set of downs when it's first down and you just got gashed. It's just like, that's the stuff that just. They, they seemingly play not to lose instead of playing to win. We've said it again and again yes. and again, either in the discord plug join the discord it's a lot of fun in there on twitter on here anywhere they just play not to lose and that's the big fault right now is they're not implementing 
ways to win. Um, I'll let you guys go read the article for the defensive way as to how to fix that. But jumping to the offense a little bit, we can, and we'll talk about more of this later as well because it kind of plays into what we expect for the preview stuff. But some stats on Rodgers this season is a little concerning. He has, his numbers have significantly dropped off from his two MVP seasons. Um, his completion percentage from last year is down 14 points from 67.5 to 53.4. His inaccuracy percentage is up 7 points from 17 to 24. His yards per dropback is down uh, a full 2 yards from 788 to 5.91. And he's getting pressured only 3% more than he was last year, 16 to 19. So whether Devonta Adams is really worth those 2 yards and really worth that 14% in completion percentage, you won't hear me saying that, is <laughs> a is a whole argument in and of itself. But um, the problem with sort of where we've come as the Packers offense and as a franchise is that we've had let Rodgers take the reins on the offense for so long, for a really long time, because he had the talent to, he had the Devonta Adams to throw to, to play that sort of two-man game that they've been doing which was ultimately sort of their downfall in the playoffs last year. But giving him such the long leash because he deserved it and being able to audible at the line and call the place he wants to do and be that significant presence in the offensive game plan calling is sort of coming back to bite the Packers right now. They, before their game last week, Roger said they really wanted to air out the ball, get the passing game more involved. And I couldn't help but think of that quote on the critical three and out in the fourth quarter when there was 10 minutes left in the game. It was 2020. They needed to go down the field and waste time. And they wasted 16 seconds off that clock with three incompletions when they needed to run the ball. Coincidentally, we'll get into it later. I keep saying that, but we will. <laughs> Is that now they're looking to get the run game in more, which they have should have been doing all season. But there's... The scheme is there from Matt LaFleur. And they should be able to get crossing routes going. And what they really ought to do is run uh, routes for these receivers for Rodgers to be a game manager rather than the MVP level game-changing quarterback that he's used to being for the past decade. Because while he may not be as good as he's been in previous years on deep balls, he still has accuracy. Like we've seen that so far this year that he's able to put balls in tight windows on crossing routes and throw some out routes like that. So why not let him make it like just make the game easier for Rodgers if he's having that sort of that down year and he's getting a little older and it's showing the movement in the NFL is to make this game easier for quarterbacks. That was the Matthew Stafford. That's all they won last year. Just let Cooper Cup do the work. Let Odell Beckham do the work and it led him to a Super Bowl. Instead, we're asking Rodgers to do more difficult things with less talented receivers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My counter not necessarily to you, but to Aaron Rodgers, is does he want to make it easier for himself? Because because (laughs) this is, and I believe Ben touches on this, this is old habits dying hard. Yep. And not having Devontae certainly doesn't help. Um, But it's not, I mean, we, we go through, Randall Cobb was, you know, 13 targets against the Giants. He has been a much more featured um, contributor in the offense, obviously within the uh, Pascagee core. Again, leaning on experienced wide receivers, something that Aaron Rodgers has harped on from the moment that he has gotten sizable contracts mm-hmm. <laughs> and became a leader of this team. But I, I, I it's not just a Rodgers thing because – as you said, Matt LeFleur has a scheme. Part of the reason why the roster is built the way it is is because Matt LeFleur is in charge. Yep. If I was on the podcast Sunday slash Monday, I would have been fucked just going through this <laughs> meltdown talking about that three and out because it just pissed me off so much. Me too. It's it's more I think it's just it's just this thing of like. You, you, it's this constant reflex. The first game of the season, they get it, it wasn't like a you know shellacking, but it was they got obliterated by the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And the biggest talking point is there wasn't enough of AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and all this stuff. So naturally, they reflex and go the other way. And right. it's just con- this constant seesaw effect of like you veer off from how you're how you wanted to build this team and how it's built. And yes, um, Ben notes in the article, the formations, I think the pony packages, I think that's the official. Yep. um, Those have not been well. The two two running back sets, two running back sets. Yes. Um, So again, that's also kind of creating the sorts of source of tension is that you want to get both guys featured in the running game, but they can't necessarily be on the on the field together because the Packers wide receiver core doesn't have 
a Devontae Adams or dynamic pass catchers that can um, take some of the attention away from the Packers backfield right. or so it's, it, there's these constant sources of tension, um, not just on the field, but what Matt LaFleur wants to play and how Aaron Rodgers may, you know, um, take ownership of a drive when a game is tired or whatever, whatever the game situation might be. There's these little, just like these little touch points everywhere that you just kind of like, how does this get massaged into the offense is going to be productive. We're not going to um, cough up the ball. We're not going to, you know, kill drives with just awful turnovers that, you know, take points off the board, you know, what would be points off the board. It's that stuff that has just kind of added up, obviously, over the course of the season that is making it. It just is just again, it's just frustrating. It's making the offense more difficult. Yes, like like I think your point of the the seesaw effect of the offense and how it operates has been awful, and it's been prevalent. I I have Aaron or not Aaron. I have Aaron Jones's stats pulled up from each of the five games. This season, week one against the Vikings, 49 yards rushing, 27 yards receiving, so 80-ish yards or loss. Week two against the Bears, 130 yards rushing, 38 yards receiving, win. Week three against Tampa, 36 yards rushing, 11 yards receiving. They basically went away from him in the run after he fumbled. They won the game. They probably shouldn't have. If we're no. being realistic, the two no one conversion. should have won the game. No one should have won the game, but the Packers certainly did. They got the win. It was an ugly win. It was a bad win. If there are such things, that, but you guys get my point. <laughs> week, week four, offense is sort of clicking again. They had Aaron Jones 110 yards rushing, only five yards receiving, but he but he was a big part of the offense. They won. Week five against the, the Giants. 63 yards rushing, 17 yards receiving. So basically, what's that? 80 yards. So if we're seesawing, we should have a huge Aaron Jones game this week, which (laughs) makes sense because they understand that the running game is what leads them to success. They said it today. Um, Zach Cruz tweeted uh, a little bit earlier today. Aaron Rodgers, quote, when we run the ball well and stick to it, that's going to give us more opportunities for some shots down the field. Like, Obviously, obviously, you guys like we we've been saying it. We it's it's so frustrating as a fan, and as someone as like we've talked about it, set up the run so that the passing game opens up. Like the 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 field is shrinking is from what is is what Ben is saying. They're not taking shots downfield, and they're not having success in like their their middle to long game uh, passing attempts. So everything's really short and. Yeah, the defense knows they're gonna throw it short. So mm-hmm. why not just keep running the ball when it works? Like it clearly works. <laughs> I haven't seen like a, a a drive this season where it's been like, man, why are we rushing AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones? It's not working. Move, start passing the ball. Like I, we just haven't seen it, and they then they go away from it. And there's obviously times you need to go away from it for a clock management standpoint, but that hasn't happened. So, in in totality it overall go read ben's article we gave a lot of airtime here it's really good um so go read it it's for a yourself perfect, 
It's a perfect it's, encapsulation. It's, yeah, it's like a state of the union address, I guess, in through five weeks of the Packers 2022 season. Right, which is like, should we really be all that concerned? There's 12 more games. Probably not, but... First third of the year, though. First third of the year, and it's not looking too good. Like, no, they could run off 12 straight wins and make us eat crow. I'll be happy to eat crow if that happens. But changes need to be implemented now. And I think, too, to kind of wrap this up and um, as we start to look ahead, they the Packers have had horrible losses in the LeFleur era, as few as there have been. Yep. There was um, two years ago, I think this is the COVID year, the Jaguars lost, which was just absolutely abysmal. Um, the Jaguars were not a professional football team then. Um, they're slowly starting to resemble one again. Um, last year, I believe it was, it wasn't the Lions game. Um, obviously, well, you could just say the Saints game. Obviously, week one, it's it, it's just hard to fathom that kind of a beatdown. Yep. Um, going into the season when <laughs> pretty much everyone was healthy outside of like uh, David Bakhtiari. And you could even say that they had more of a more of a talented roster than with obviously Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. So there's, there have been these bad losses that have just been like, okay, <laughs> again, the seesaw effect, the reflex of like, you can, that can't happen again. So let's put it all together and rattle off a 10 game winning streak, I hope. Right. But um, I think this one definitely feels different because things are very in flux and it, it's still hard to to see where um things could turn around consistently. Right. These losses feel different because they're the wins don't feel good. No. The wins feel like the best one almost. has been the Bears game, and even then, even again, then, it, was... it got close at the end. Yeah, like the, the losses have been the the wins have been close, and the losses have been tragic, essentially. Like there's there's been no reason to yes. feel good after a game this year, which has been sort of our harping point and our score predictions. So, should we look ahead, Jordan? Let's do it. Jets coming into Green Bay. Bang. Hopefully. Bang. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully the Packers can stop them from touching down in Green Bay that's my pun for the podcast but um, injury report we'll hop into that right away as opposed to last week where both teams injury reports were quite uh, extensive this week pretty short for both of them um, Dave Bakhtiari limited participation practice with his knee Obviously, that's been the same thing. We don't say that Elton Jenkins also limited, which was interesting considering they both got limited participation on the same day. So far this yeah. this, this season, it's been flopped. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's leading towards them actually becoming both healthy and not pushing them to get back. So, um, Tipa Galay, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Hamstring did not, did not participate in practice. Uh, Christian Watson hamstring did not participate in practice. It's the same hamstring he's had since camp. Some people were saying they should put Watson on IR. I would feel bad to put him on IR, but I think it might be the right decision. Interjection, because this is obviously relevant. Yep. This would be the last week before Sammy Watkins can come back, correct? 
Because before the Buccaneers game. Was it before the Buccaneers game? Yes. So Buccaneers, Patriots, Giants, Jets. So maybe. So maybe. So maybe. Yeah, if they want to get Watkins back and he's healthy to come back, like, and then put Watson IR, it'd be annoying to not have a fully healthy receiving room again. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to deal with this with Christian Watson, why not get him healthy? And, yeah, and a, yeah. <laughs> and why not just get him healthy for the last push of the season? Because they'll be at, what, this will be their sixth game now. Four more games is 10. They'll have the last seven games to really make a push if they want to get Christian Watson healthy. But I think you don't put him on IR if Watkins isn't back. Yeah. Which then it's playing a dangerous game to count down Sammy Watkins to be healthy again, too. So, But the biggest name on this injury report is Aaron Rodgers. Right thumb injury did not participate in practice. More so, probably veteran status doesn't need to have practice, although he might Maybe he should. <laughs> but um, he injured his right thumb on the Hail Mary pass that was stripped. And like the strip sack, whatever you want to call that. So that just is salt in the wound for Rogers, Rogers not to be able to get that pass off, but also get injured on it to lose the game. Uh, LaFleur said he doesn't anticipate him missing the game. So that's good. That's <laughs> uh, certainly good. We might have we maybe we'll have more Jordan Love the right later this season, but let's not count on it. Um, for the Jets, they had Dwayne Brown their offensive tackle limited in participation. Jermaine Johnson their end did not participate with an ankle. Carl Lawson, C.J. Mosley, and Quincy Williams all limited with an ankle, hip, and ankle injury. So pretty healthy for both teams for all intents and purposes. Short the shortest. Injury report for the Packers this, this season. season by far, and for the I guess I can't say for the Jets too, but for sure for the Packers, it's been yeah the shortest. Um, but the Jets come in hot. They've won back to back games against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins, both of which talent level that was playing isn't the best, but it's still two wins in a row. Zach Wilson is throwing the ball a little better than he's been known to do, just in general. In um, the Steelers game, he had 250 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. In the uh, Dolphins game, he had uh, 210 yards. Looks like a lot of their, um, a lot of their. Oh, and he, he caught a receiving touchdown. He, he, oh, he, that's right. Yeah. He, he gritted all over the place. <laughs> he's got uh, he's got Joe Flacco to light a fire up his butt because there's a. Quarterback controversy brewing in yeah. the Big Apple. I would just let Zach Wilson do it if they're going to keep winning. But um, but yeah, overall, Zach Wilson playing fine. He's playing better than he did last year. Yeah. After he was injured to start the year. And I think if he's going to keep winning, if they win this week, we'll be on meltdown mode. But if he's winning against bad teams, why not just let him keep winning against bad teams and mm-hmm. get that development? Because... As we've seen, like letting guys like develop is important. Geno Smith is like prime a example in the NFL right now. Like was backup for so long, including playing for the Jets, and now he's yes. I think thirty one, thirty two, and the Seahawks had the best offense in the NFL, <laughs> which is crazy to say coming off of a Russell Wilson led team for last year. But Mister Unlimited, who looks quite limited in Denver. Broncos country, let's cry. 
Let's <laughs> It's Broncos looking rough, man. Nathaniel Hackett does not look this like a head coach. This year is weird. This year is weird. Hackett a weird looks year. unfit as a head coach. I don't want to go into like the intangibles, but when you like look at a head coach, an NFL head coach that they the camera angle goes to. Yeah. Not good. I, I'm personally saying this. If I was if I was shown on a <laughs> the sidelines, I think everybody would be like, who the hell is this? <laughs> so that's I funny. that that's where I'm coming from. Right. So when I see someone else that looks like that, I'm just like, you don't got it, bud. Right. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about we're we're kinda gonna touch on the same thing. Touch on the same thing we touched on earlier and sort of have in past weeks. But offense going into this week. We have Roy Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, Jones and Dillon, and probably Rogers. Like count on Rogers playing the game essentially. The biggest thing that we've been harping all season is get the run game going. Teams are having somewhat success running against the uh the New York Giants. Raheem Mostert had hundred and thirteen yards on eighteen carries last week. Najee Harris was somewhat kept in check against them, only had 75 yards. But you can run the ball against the Jets. They're not going to be super like uh, aggressive and oppressive as a team running the ball. So this Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon tandem, not in the pony set, just a single back set, sort of play them off of each other, should have success this week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, again, it's not a matter of just like, they're, the results are there. It is the commitment. Um, I think that that was the other thing that we, we talked to last week about the offense's ability to generate explosive plays. We probably should have um, talked about this or mentioned this in the discussion before, but it's relevant here. I would reckon to guess I'm not a, I'm not breaking down film every game. I don't simply have time to do that. <laughs> but I would venture to guess a lot of those plays are born out of a balance, a diversity in what the, the Packers are calling in their plays. It's not necessarily about when you think of explosive plays and the fact that it's, you know, passes beyond 20 yards or uh, rushes beyond 10 yards. It's, it's not just like I, we're just, running and gunning and chucking downfield as you know whenever we get the chance it's mm-hmm. it's kind of that like quiet loud quiet loud jab haymaker jab haymaker like you can't it doesn't work without one or the other so when you are one dimensional and just conversely it's how the you know we could talk about the Packers defense when you see the same things over and over again you get used to how this thing gets broken down so I think that's where for me it's like the results are there the Aaron Jones has been having a great season he's their MVP of the year for me at this point by far and it's just keep running him keep trying try to you know elevate AJ Dillon kind of get through this rocky start and his usage and just all these different things that kind of gone into this, uh, into this season. Um, 
And yeah, maybe luck goes your way with the defense and stuff like that. But it all, it just also starts with the more you run the ball, the more you burn the, the clock and the less your defense is on the field. Right. And I think that's the, a really big theme and issue that the Packers need to deal with. They have to have long sustained drives so that when the defense is resting, they can actually rest. And they, yes. they just aren't going back out on the field right away. Because then if Joe Barry isn't going to play the like call a defensive game to win the game and just play not to lose. You have to have your defense as rested as possible. If you're just going to call feeble meek plays every game mm-hmm. for defense, it's just as simple as that. So it's not to say I'm blaming the offense for not staying on the field for the defensive woes, but it goes into it. I would blame the offense second half of that Giants game. I would agree. That three but like season long. Like yes, issues. of course, of course. Yeah, like the the offense is certainly to blame for not calling, like the offense and Matt Lafleur for not calling a game that allowed the defense to take a breath. Yeah, I, I, again, I think I, this might be controversial to some, but I would say by and large, the offense has not helped the Packers defense no. a lot this year. No, and that's part of. I mean, again, those turnovers are very fluky, but they are what they are. Right, and you kind of have to respond to that and limit the mistakes even further, stop the bleeding, yep. and not let up points on the board. Right. So ideally, we see a lot of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon this game. They've gone away from AJ Dillon in the past game. Um, in general, I think I saw it somewhere. It was uh, I'm going to butcher this man's name. Uh, JJ Zachariasen. Talked about, uh, said per next gen stats, AJ Dillon played a season low 31% of snaps against the Giants. His previous low, um, his previous season low was 50% uh, in week one. And his target share has gone down each week this year 17% of the passing targets of AJ Dillon week one, then 12, 9, 6, and 0. Good thing is you can't get lower than zero. But, um, Targeting AJ Dillon in the receiving game needs to come back. He's good. He can't catch the ball. They just need to feature these guys more, which has been. And it would just prevent defenses thinking that he's just going to be running the ball every time he's on the field. Exactly. Like, it's not that we just want the Packers to run the ball. We do. But we want the best players getting the ball in their hands. And right now, that is Aaron Jones, Al Lazard, Rodobs, and AJ Dillon. Playing around yeah. with like Randall Cobb, which he's been really good this season. We talked about how he's pretty much Wes Matthews of this Bucks team, and the fact that you want to be able to count on him when you need him, but he shouldn't be counted on to do it. So don't mess around and give Randall another 13 targets this week. Bobby Tunyon is another one, like he's doing very well this season, but he's not the playmaker that we want him to be yet. Um, and I just like if we are going to play Christian Watson, I, I don't need to see the the gadget plays. I really don't. I it's... want Watson involved. I want him involved down the field on slants, on crossing routes to catch the ball and use that speed to get away. Or just so... have him take a shot down the field. He's fast! Like, yeah. I, I, maybe I've, I've missed a play here and there, but I haven't seen them take a shot with him since that week one Minnesota attempt. And it's, 
again, I, I'm pretty sure I have. It might be one, but it, again, that's still not great. That's, They're almost like typecasting him as like this. You know, I know we keep saying like the Marty Rogers thing. But yeah. It's also like Tavon Austin. Yeah. That kind of thing of like. Yeah, he has speed. It does. It's yeah. not necessarily east west speed. It's north south speed. Yeah. And that could go really well. If you're having trouble with. um. Aaron Rodgers' deep ball percentage and completion percentage and stuff like that. Maybe have a guy that can go get it. Run the lights out. <laughs> yeah, like I Christian, don't know Christian Watson. It was is like basically going to be Marquez Valdez Scantling when he develops as a receiver. They're the same thing. They're fast. They can stretch the field, and they might have a tiny bit of a drop issue. But don't focus on the last part. That that didn't stop you from bombing keep... it to Marquez Valdez Scantling five yeah. times a game. Like take the shots and use Christian and Watson the way you can. If that works sixty percent of the time, that that's it works every time. <laughs> I knew you were going there. I, I knew you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really want to see a run first offensive scheme this week, and hopefully just see a better Rogers game, man. Like he's looked so bad. I just want like I, I've said in the past couple of score predictions that I, I just I just want a a, a blowout. I want them to beat bad teams. I want this offense to look how it should. And I'm not going to sit here and say that Devonta Adams was this offense because he wasn't. Like The offense has the capability of being an explosive offense. We talked about it last week on the preview pod. The Packers are doing very well in explosive plays. And they're balanced. But when they're not balanced is where they're getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Is, he the, is he the player to watch? I think Rodgers might be the player to watch. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. Watch it, not watching the ball is very difficult in the NFL, and Rodgers has the ball in his hands a lot. Mm-hmm. But seeing how he performs is going to be very important, as it is every week. But a six straight week of okay Rodgers like, stuff is going to be then, I think, the trend for the season. Which, if it is, so be it. Father Time is undefeated. I just thought we had more, <laughs> more Time. years left of it, but we'll see. If it is just the receiving core not being as talented as we want them to be, that's yet to be seen. I'd like to see the whole season get there before I actually make that. Um, I make that assertion because they are rookies, and this is like Alan Lazard's still doing well. He's just not being featured and thrown to as much as you would want a wide receiver one being thrown to, like against the Giants or against the Patriots. He was. But he had a touchdown and I think like three receptions against the Giants. Mm-hmm. So they're just not mixing him in if he's not getting a Giants team that had injuries to the secondary during the game. Right. And like is that a Lazard problem if he's not getting separation? I don't know. But I haven't ever seen Rogers be that conservative to where he's not trying to fit the ball in really tight windows like that. Like at least take take the shot, you know? But mm-hmm. Anything else on offense you want to talk about? Well, I think my my player is definitely Aaron Jones. Okay, I, I think it, it's it's because it it if he is not featured as much, if it's if it's week five and week one Aaron Jones game versus week two weeks two through four, yeah, it affects the whole offense. It affects Aaron Rodgers most. And just the whole game management, just 
all that kind of stuff. And so it just, it kind of, it's the trickle down effect of like, yeah, you want to see Aaron Jones bust out 180 yards and three touchdowns. Not that I'm predicting that, but um, <laughs> I just think it's, again, it's the biggest bellwether facing this Packers team. Right. Not even just this year, next year. Right. And until I'm, something yeah. you know, changes. And I'm not even saying that like, I'm really wanting a hundred yards a game from Aaron Jones. And I want them to be, I want him to be the workhorse back that like Derek Henry or Saquon Barkley or uh, Leonard Fournette is like, I don't need him to be that. I just need him to be featured. Yes. And if he's featured consistently enough and has like an 80 yard game or a 90 yard game, that's fine. But it's when they feature him and then go away from him. Then feature yeah. him a little bit and then go away from him. And when they go away from him, they have bad drives, three and outs, or a first down and, and a punt. Like, they really should be going to him more often to sustain drives and then just utilizing the run game more than they are. But we touched on that yeah. already. Yeah, absolutely. So, defense. I really want to see them get after Zach Wilson. This is like very surface level expectations and analysis but it's it's simple like mm-hmm. zach wilson for as far as i know isn't the most like mobile quarterback he's a second year quarterback he's going to run when he can because he has those legs under him but um just being able to pressure this young quarterback who admittedly again has been playing well but it's going to be important because we have those players on on defense that can make his life hell essentially i am in the midst of looking up sacks, two point four sacks allowed per game by the Jets this year. So they had a lot of offensive line troubles. Mm-hmm. Certainly, they did. I remember. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, during the um, training camp preseason portion, I think they of the lost year. a few of their offensive linemen. Yeah, it was like Becton for sure. That was obviously the biggest one, but like even. There, Dwayne Brown was, I think, a free agent. They signed him, who's mm-hmm. was on the injury report. So yeah, again, I think it's a susceptible offensive line. Um, can Gary and Smith be fresh enough to constantly harass <laughs> Zach Wilson? Um, that's the biggest question. But right. I, 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 yeah, you just want to see pressures. You want to see. Just make them work for it. Just instead of just you know <laughs> plodding down the field and be like, oh, another first down, another first down, another first down. That kind of that kind right. of thing. For what it's worth, um, the pass blocking grades on PFF are bad for the Bengals. Forty three, yes. 64, 46, 61, 68. Nothing over seventy, which is sixties are like a greenish yellow kind of stuff with like fifty being yellow. Yeah, but. So not good. So we the like the the front five as we're going to now apparently see should be able to get home a few times and affect the game that way. And if they can force Zach Wilson to make poor decisions, Jair, Razul, Eric Stokes should be able to get some pass breakups in there and maybe have an interception or two to really make this game tough for Zach Wilson. I think yeah. while he's had a decent couple of showings. He's still that young quarterback that's sort of unknown and where we could possibly have a lot of success and just 
pressuring him. Kind of like turnover how prone. turnover prone and like doing what we wanted to do to Billy Zappi. Like just make it hard on him. Like the, the football's a tough game. Like really get in his face and make him feel uneasy so that he's pressured to make those throws he can't make, making mistakes and causing turnovers. The floor the versus the floor. Yep. Uh, Matt LaFleur's brother Mike is the defensive coordinator, I'm pretty sure, or offensive off- offensive coordinator. Yeah, Robert Sala, the head coach is the defensive coordinator. Well, pseudo-defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Hall's defensive plays. So, uh, yeah, just want to see a more aggressive defense. Please, Joe Barry, fix yourself. Admit you were wrong. Play more man. Play less zone. You can play zone. I'm not saying don't go away. Don't play any zone. <laughs> There's only this deal in absolutes, Jordan. All exactly. zone, all man, both bad. Mix it in so that the offense doesn't know what you're playing, and they need to audible to find out and run motions and things like that. Like that was they talk about it a lot on uh during games. Players go in motion. You don't see a guy follow them. You're in zone. <laughs> It gets mm-hmm. really simple, but at least if you're mixing it up so that you get to keep doing those things, wasting time on the play clock to showcase what you're doing. So regardless of it all, Joe Barry, please, I'm begging you, my guy. Please change your change your feathers. <laughs> my guy. <laughs> oh, it's just I'm exhausted of the, the Joel Berry led defense. I'm getting a sour taste in my mouth. Joey B, come on. What? Build back better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Looking ahead, should we do some score predictions, Jordan? Let's the best part it. of this of this show all the time. Probably like, the most accurate part of the podcast. Weirdly. <laughs> because the obscene uh Every, like the my New England score prediction was very wrong, but your uh, Giants Packers prediction was eerily close, really close. Yeah. So maybe people should listen to us on their other betting advice. Who knows? This is not betting advice, but uh, lots of fun with it. Jordan, you go first. One first last time. Mm. Now I got. I have expectations. <laughs> I think this is gonna be a very vanilla game. Gross. A vanilla game against the Jets sounds gross. But what kind of vanilla are we talking about? Are we talking about a regular <laughs> vanilla? Are we talking about a McDonald's cone? Are we talking about Hagen Dust? A little soft serve um, vanilla or soft vanilla serve. bean, French vanilla. vanilla? Bean. <laughs> Not that artificial kind. <laughs> it was actually made with the vanilla bean. Um, let's go. I'm probably just going to pick the Packers to win every game. Not true. Um, I'm going to pick the Packers to win this game, though. I think they bounce back. I will go 28 17. Okay. The last two games, I've predicted blowouts, and they haven't been. <laughs> so I'm going to just switch up my prediction and say it's going to be closer than I want it to be. 
I think last week I had 30 to 17. And the week before that, I had like 45 10 or something. Yeah, you wanted it bad. I wanted it bad. I still want it very bad. Bad. Very it's bad. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. I, I'm thirsty for a blowout. Pause. <laughs> but let's see. I think they get back on track. And I think the defense still has its problems with Joe Barry and its scheme. 3124. Mm. So, well, no. Yeah, I'll stick with it. But let the record show that if it's a low scoring game, that I was going to switch it to a lower scoring game because mm. they haven't scored over 24 points yet this year. As you say, they haven't. Is that true? I think it's close. Ugh. I think they won 27 10 against the. Uh, they scored. I'm sorry. They, they haven't scored over 27. My bad. That's what I wanted to say. It's 27 14 against the Bears, right? Uh, 27 10. Oh, well, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. And then 27 24 against the Patriots. So they haven't scored 30 points this year. Yeah, that's not bad, but it's just the. It's, the, it's, uh, it's worse than it should be. <laughs> like, yeah. Because, like, yeah. the second half against the Bears, they should have had a few more touchdowns. Yeah, the, about a blow the second half against the Patriots, they should have more touchdowns. The second half against the Giants, they should have more touchdowns. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just it's a trend. So hopefully the Packers can put together a full, a full game of football. We haven't seen them play four quarters of good football yet in a row, like in a game essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Jets, Packers, a noon game. Jordan, we get to finally we have the early game. How about that? That I mean. I've been begging for it. Not the London early game either. Yeah. We have a noon game, wake up, maybe cook a little breakfast, do a little laundry, you're football at noon. So, uh, thank you all for listening to a also cathartic episode of Talk of the Tundra. I got mm-hmm. a lot of frustrations out that I had from the Giants game out on Sunday. So, we hope you enjoyed it. Please check out the rest of the. Uh, GSPN Network, Winning Six, Zero Step, make time for this, Cruising for a Bruising, their latest episode. Uh, join the Discord. GSPN.info has the uh, the form to join the Discord. We leave a five-star rating and review. We haven't had one in a long while, so if one of you could leave a five-star rating review, we'd love it. Love to hear what you have to say about the podcast. And I uh, will read it live here on air. Not live. I'll read it on air uh, for everyone to hear. And really hope you guys are enjoying it as we're a like Jordan said earlier, about a third of the way through the inaugural in, inaugural uh, Talk of the Tundra Packers season. So uh, we will talk to you guys on Monday for the recap of the Jets-Packers game. Jordan, thanks so much. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.